golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and Will Perry dishing up all of our social media tonight on his platter du jour. What's happening, Will Perry? I'm doing great. Good to be here with you guys. Uh, looking forward to lots of PGA Championship and Women's British recap from this weekend. It was a fun weekend of golf. Jimmy Walker, the Walker Wanamaker. What a big victory for Jimmy. Uh, closing the deal on Sunday with uh, Jason Day and Henrik Stenson on your heels. Uh, that uh, That's some pretty good heat, especially given... Uh, the finish that Henrik had at the Open Championship. It was a great tournament on Sunday, Kevin. And there's a lot to talk about, too, because it was pretty dramatic. They they dodged a bullet with the weather. It looked like it, for a moment they this thing might have gone on as long as Tuesday. I think uh, there was a lot of sleepless, uh, <laughs> not much sleep gotten for a lot of guys on the PGA Tour grounds crew. Saturday night, but they got it in, and uh, what a terrific championship final round. Round with um, lift clean in place, then they had to come back out the next day when the golf course was soaked, and then they had to finish that third round, still not being able to play uh, lift clean in place because they didn't start the round that way. Then they could finish the fourth round that way, but um, and then playing 36 holes, uh, Jimmy Walker on that uh, on that fateful Sunday and that weather holding up. I mean, it was touch and go there for a little while. But, yeah, what a great championship. And then uh, having Jason Day on your heels and Henrik Stenson, like you said, and Jason Day hitting that shot on 18 was just phenomenal. Two iron that landed in front of the pin 15 feet away. Pretty strong. Well, the fact that he went two iron, two iron in and of itself was just Knowing that he needed to make eagle, obviously he was thinking, you know, this is my perfect yardage. But, I mean, the average golf fan probably can't even. He hit it 278 yards. Yeah. like I hit my driver 268 yards. Right. So, I mean, a two iron, 278 yards, that just tells you the balls, the shafts, the clubs, the power. Absolutely. Um, Just absolutely unbelievable. I would like to, I'd like to see him up against Daly. Daly in his prime and. And Day hitting the ball, I mean, it's kind Very of incredible. Interesting. I mean, look what Rory did in, on, uh, what was it, Wednesday? in The, oh, the long round. drive. Long drive, 345. But Ben on beat him. Yeah, 347. 347. That was amazing, God, too. these guys are just cranking it. So uh, Walker had an 8-foot birdie putt on the par 5, 17th. And I don't know if any of you saw that putt, but 
uh, the golf gods were on Jimmy's side because that putt was breaking right, uh, you know, with the course conditions, the greens being a little bit soft. I don't know how that suddenly flipped over and landed in the cup, but, um, you know, some things are going your way and you know it's your day. Oh, absolutely. I know Phil would have liked to have had that putt at the British Open <laughs> when it was going for 62 and flipped uh, the other way. Isn't it funny, though, how that works when you have someone like Phil who's, I mean, how many times have we seen him miss a putt or lip out a putt? Or, and Jimmy Walker has, has, by all means, not played very well this year. I mean, he's played better than you know than most. But he's not even on the Ryder Cup yet. Well, he is now. I mean, well. he's in the top four now, but he wasn't before. He mm-hmm. was definitely outside the top ten, and and then he goes and plays one of the best final rounds, one of the best rounds of his life, and wins his first major. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when we were doing our picks last week, you know, I was gonna say him, and I said Snedeker. I wish I could go back in time right now and do right? the Holly Gagan. I'd like to pick three. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of us ended up uh, with Jimmy Walker. <laughs> Definitely but, not. You know, I'm I'm not surprised. You know, he you know went on that run uh, a year before last in the fall when he won several times, and you know I think he really started to show the kind of player that he can be. And you know I'm not sure if he's somebody that's a streaky player in that respect. Uh, but, you know, it certainly all came together in this tournament and, and well-deserved at 37 years old. Now we'll see if uh, the floodgates open for him. I think he's certainly going to be a repeat winner. I mean, yeah. talk about a guy who just plays well all the way through the bag, putts well, hits the ball well, especially now that he's been working with Butch for the last few years. Um, I think he has six wins in his last 71 starts and didn't have any in his first 180-something. Well, the first two months, like for the for a couple of years, yeah, he just he kept w- winning. Yeah. He'd win, he'd win, he'd like win. Like three times and or something. And then you wouldn't hear about him the rest of the year. <laughs> but he's always right up there at the FedEx Cup. So if, that's, if there's anything to be said, then le- transitioning into the playoffs, maybe he's a guy you know, to watch out for over these next few weeks. If there's anything that we've seen over the last couple of years, the run that Stenson went on a couple of years back, then Jason Day and... Um, you know, Dustin Johnson a little bit earlier in the year, and maybe Jimmy Walker is going to, I mean, has the game to do it. Yeah, he definitely proved over the week, you know, by having by having the lead on Thursday and, and going all the way through, he definitely showed that he can he can make pars, throw in a birdie or two here and there. He didn't make, how many bogeys did he make all week? It couldn't have been very many. He had 19 birdies overall. Yeah, 19 birdies overall. I mean, he just played so solid, but that's his game. He makes a lot of pars. And throws in a birdie, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Maybe this tournament will then carry him over into that confidence booster. Like, wow, I can play with anybody. So we'll see what happens come the uh, uh, FedEx Cup playoffs in a couple of weeks. Your man from the Golden Bear Club, Hideki Matsuyama. Yes. Uh, I saw him creeping on the leaderboard. Yeah, posting 68 on Sunday, finished uh, tied for fourth, minus nine. But Kevin. You need to work on his putting. Oh, I know. You texted me. He's creeping. He's creeping. I started watching, and he missed a putt, missed a putt, missed a putt. But, you know, I mean, um, I mean, gosh, he finished He finished what? Tied for fourth. Tied minus for fourth. Nine. I'll take that over a lot of other people. So Yeah, <laughs> Daniel Summerhays finishing third, minus 10. Brandon Grace, great player from South Africa. Uh, he's been putting himself in the conversation. He's in the often. top 10 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and always floating around in the majors. Uh, going to be interesting to see when he breaks through. And, and Martin Keimer. Martin. Love watching that swing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Daniel Summerhays is a PGA club pro. I believe so. He made $680,000. He, I heard something the other day. I think 
he made more top tens. Um, well, he has two top tens in majors this year, which was more than. I I don't know if the names are exactly correct, but I think Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, and a couple of other like big names or something. Yeah, well, those guys keep missing cuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan, uh, not you know the best performance for him, although uh, finished with a sixty-eight, so not a bad day on Sunday, tied for thirteenth. Padraig Harrington. Oh. Oh my gosh! For a minute there, they had this—they uh, had it looking like he might go on a tear and end up in the clubhouse four hours before everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Padraig's been playing good, and you know, my new favorite golfer, William, William McGirt. <laughs> uh, also uh, had had a pretty good tournament, and and Patrick Reed, boy, it, is there is there a guy who seems to be pumped up now that he's on the uh, Olympic squad? Oh, yeah. I mean, he plays well. In, well, if it was team format, I mean, there's a guy that plays well in that sort of environment. I mean, he's been a good Ryder Cup player the last couple times yeah, out, President's too. President's Cup, Ryder Cup. He's going to be amazing come uh, September. Oh, yeah. September 30th to October 2nd is the Ryder Cup at Hazeltine in Minnesota. So, well, there was also the LPGA Women's British Open going on. Uh, so we had a, a lot of great golf to watch, and Arya Jutanyagarn running away with it. Yeah, and uh, Gary, Gary Gil Chris. Chris. Yeah, my yeah. my old my old stomping grounds. Gary, you know, he does great things with with these LPGA players. I think it's her fourth or fifth win already this year, and she's young. I mean, twenty. She, yeah, she's gonna just keep. She talk about people who hit it long. I I, I was um. I think she was hitting two irons like 270 yards also. Like it was insane. Yeah, yeah, she hits it pretty deep for a 20 year old. And you, look at this, you got Lydia Ko, 19. You got uh, Brooke Henderson at 18. I mean, women's golf is he, very strong right now. These girls got game, Lexi gentlemen. Lexi Thompson, she's only 22. Mm-hmm. If Michelle Major Wee winner. could just get her, get her game back. And uh, turning to the web.com, big news. Stefan Jager, Jager, uh, adds, uh, shoots um, 58, <laughs> 58 uh, to uh, win the Ellie Mae Classic out in California. Uh, really amazing. Shoots 30 under 250. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I when I me? saw that score, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Even, I mean, par 70. Par 70, par 72, 71, 69, 58. When you start thinking about it, because you're going to get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm 10 under par. Oh, my gosh, I'm 11 under par. Oh, my gosh. If I hit one more birdie, I'm at 12 under par and 58. Psychologically, you, a lot. there's a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, that have never been under par, but you get to just five under par and you're thinking okay i just gotta hold on and get to the clubhouse but you get to six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve absolutely amazing hats off to him absolutely well we've got a lot of golf talk coming up uh we've got bob herrig from espn.com next in the queue stay with us the golf insiders we'll be right back Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggles blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, Kevin Sternett, and Will Perry, and... Uh, he is back.
from the PGA Championship, which uh, had the longest day in golf on the uh, Sunday final round in 64 years at the PGA Championship. Uh, our favorite golf insider, Bob Herrick from ESPN. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going? Great. Listen, uh, we've got some breaking news here. I don't know if uh, you've gotten it yet, but um, Nike pulling out of the out of the golf business in terms of uh, the equipment side of things. Have you have you heard that? Yeah, I heard that um, just a little while ago, and um, you know, I don't really know the details, but it, it's. Uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. Obviously, uh, you know, my initial reaction is is they sort of lived and died with Tiger. He put them on the map. Um, you know, he played. You know, he was a Nike endorser before they made their first club. Uh, put their clubs in his bag. Put his golf ball in play. Put their golf ball in play. All that stuff. You know, back in the early 2000s, and uh, you know, had great success with it. And now, you know, it's. You know, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but Tiger's not been playing golf for over a year, and their you know their biggest pitch man's been on the sidelines, and uh, you wonder if that has anything to do with it. I mean, certainly Rory's a Nike guy, uh, Brooks Kepka comes to mind. Uh, you know, they've got uh, you know several others, let me, and uh, let interesting me, to see how that falls out now. Yeah, hang on a bit, Bob. Let me go to Will here. Do you have the official word? Yeah, it sounds like Nike will no longer make clubs, bags, or balls, but they will continue to focus on apparel and footwear. Uh, it's still TBD in terms of with Tiger and Rory, what will kind of happen overall with them. Do you think that this, I mean, you know, what happens with them, Bob? I mean, you, you're you so well connected to these players. You know, that's a pretty big shift, you know, within the game, especially from an equipment standpoint, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, you know, they're both under contract to Nike. Uh, Rory's got at least, you know, my guess is at least three more years. Um, he signed his deal in 2013. It was believed to be for uh, six years, seven years at the time. Um, Tiger also re-upped. Rory was new with, with Nike in early 2013. Tiger very quietly re-signed with with Nike later that year, and the, you know that was the year he was winning five times. And uh, I remember at the time Steinberg saying uh, his agent Mark Steinberg saying, you know, it's it's he, he wouldn't disclose the number of years, but it, in his mind it was it was you know like he would be with Nike forever. So you know there was probably a, a, a term on there five, six, seven years. And I would think they are obligated to pay these guys. And so possibly it means that they're going to still have Nike on the bag. It's going to mean that they'll wear Nike shirts and hats and, uh, you know, golf gloves and shoes. Uh, will, will they, you know, obviously the clubs now, that's a different story because if, if, they're, if they are not engaged in the technical aspects of making the clubs, it's kind of hard to think that they would make them play them when they're not going to be able to service the uh, the equipment, you know, they're not going to be able to make tweaks and that sort of thing. So it'd be really interesting. I mean, you know, it's been, <laughs> it's been a long time for Tiger and uh, certainly, you know, for Rory, that was a big, huge deal when he made the switch to Nike. Absolutely. Well, uh, that is certainly big news and I'm sure there'll be uh, much more coming out on this in uh, the next couple of days. Uh, let's turn to the PGA championship, Bob, and, 
Uh, it was it was quite a day on Sunday. Amazing that they got it all in um, and that, uh, you know, we didn't have a drawn out finish to the championship. It really was, uh, you know, all world there with with Jason uh, sinking that eagle putt on 18, showing the major champion that he is. But uh, Jimmy Walker, well-deserved uh, first-time major champion to round off this year's majors of first-time winners. Yeah, it uh, it was you know it was a great performance by Jimmy Walker to play to play 36 holes on Sunday. He had the lead uh, obviously when he woke up in the morning and had a lot of golf to play on a saturated course that was you know was a slog around that place. And, you know, despite the predictions that the scoring would be low, it really wasn't. Um, uh, probably due to the fact that they, they put the pins well in the back. They made it hard. You know, these guys had to really be careful about going at the flags for fear of going over over the greens. And, uh, obviously, it played a lot longer. And, and in Jimmy's case, you know, he, he kind of had Jason Day, uh, you know, breathing down his neck all afternoon. And, and he, uh, he handled it beautifully. It was a... It was a good performance by him, and, and, you know, it's kind of hard to fault Jason Day for not winning. I mean, he played pretty well. He had a, he had a good final round, he, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't enough. So um, uh, it was unfortunate the way the weather went down and, and that whole thing and, you know, having to play that many holes, also not being able to repair, um, you know, that's, that's never good uh, because you had guys in the last groups who weren't really in contention. Uh, and not to mention, too, they went to lift, clean, and place, which, uh, you know, to the best of my knowledge, has never been done in a major. Uh, and uh, so, you know, they had all those things going on, but uh, got a good winner, a good story at the end of it. And uh, hard to believe here it is where it's August 3rd and the majors are over with. Yeah, it sure is. I'm, I'm sure Kerry Hag was losing a little bit of shut-eye on Saturday night, Bob. He was certainly under, uh, it seemed, a little bit of heat given, um, you know, what was predicted on Sunday. But uh, I thought kudos to the PGA for doing the lift clean in place so that, again, um, you know, it wasn't the rub of the green that that impacted the tournament, but the players got to play. I'm with you on that. I, um, you know, I know that the, you know, the, the, the true rules aficionados think that's, you know, sacrilegious to play that way. Uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is, is lift clean in place or preferred lies or winner rules, however you want to call it, is in the rule book. It's allowed. I mean, it's an, it's an appendix in the rules of golf. It's the reason they do it on the PGA Tour. Although, you know, the PGA Tour plays by USGA rules. It's not like they just make up that rule for themselves. Uh, you know, uh, every uh, you know for for all the tournaments, it's there to be utilized. The majors choose to not do it. They feel it's it's important to play the ball down, and and I get that. But but also in this case, to play the ball down would have meant not being able to find a proper uh, lie if you were taking relief from casual water, and uh, so. You know, which which do you want? I mean, the, the majors typically don't do it because they're willing to, to uh, you know, to, to to wait it out. The Masters has a, has a smaller field. They, they, they have a little bit more time to play with. Uh, the PGA has a full field. It, it's, it's something that never has to happen at the British Open, by the way, because it drains so well there. So, you know, the U.S. Open and really the PGA are the only places where it could come into play. The, the U.S. Open, to my knowledge, has never done it. 
And the PGA did it, and I don't think it was the end of the world. I mean, as you said, it takes some of the unfairness out, the mud balls. Um, you know, you know you, you, in some cases, you might be forced to drop in the rough if, to take complete relief from casual water. I thought it worked out just fine. So we moved to the Travelers in Cromwell, Connecticut this week. Bubba Watson, the defending champion, and I guess all eyes on the feature pairing of Bubba, Patrick Reed, and Matt Kuchar, who, of course, will be representing a team USA in the Olympics. Uh, Ricky Fowler not playing, but uh, what, uh, what, what do you see in terms of the Travelers this week? What should we have our eyes on? Yeah, I mean, I think Bubba we should have our eyes on. It's uh, of course he loves. He's won there twice and finished second, and, and he's been on kind of a, a run of you know mediocrity here of late. Uh, after winning L.A. and finishing second at Doral, he's not really done a whole lot. In fact, he's not uh, currently an automatic qualifier for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. He's outside of the top eight now, and uh, even though he's ranked sixth in the world, so. Um, you know, I kind of think this is an important week for him. I, I, although I think Bubba would probably be a quip, uh, a pick by Davis Love. You know, I don't think he should be relying on that. I think he should want to make the team. And and uh, actually, it's interesting. The four U.S. Olympians are all outside of the top eight for the um, you know for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. So these guys this week and all four of them next week. You know, if nothing else, have uh, something to. To uh, to try to prove, and if nothing else, to you know, to show off a little bit for Davis Love, who in a few weeks' time is going to be making those picks. Well, before we let you go, I know you're headed to Rio. Um, your your thoughts on on the Olympics? Uh, do you have your Zika suit ready? And um, <laughs> when when do you uh, arrive? I get there Sunday. Uh, you know, the Olympic tournament begins a week from tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know there's been a ton of negativity around golf's return to the Olympics. I, I find that to be a shame. Uh, it's unfortunate what went down with, with the Zika virus and obviously the, the security concerns. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to blame these guys in, in one sense, but I, I also would say if the Zika virus were in Augusta, Georgia next spring, I think they'd all be there. Um, you know, I think what's happened is, is the, the, they've, made, they've been given an out because the schedule is so daunting this year that it just became too much. Uh, you know, you, you throw in the schedule, which, frankly, they did these guys no favors. Um, you know, these guys who are going, uh, you know, Kucha, they, first of all, the three that are playing this week, you know, they're playing three weeks in a row. Then they have a week off, and then they play three weeks in a row in the FedEx Cup. You know, then then a week off the tour championship, and and for you know you would think of several of those guys will make the Ryder Cup team. It's just it's just brutal, and uh, the schedule makers did them no favors. There were some things they could have done to maybe alleviate this a little bit, but now that it's here, you know, you got Henrik Stenson's going to be there, Sergio, Justin Rose, Danny Willett. Uh, you know, the American contingent is very strong. Uh, I think there's a lot of great stories, and there's a lot of great stories on the women's side as well. And, and obviously, they're embracing it. They're loving the idea. And uh, so, you know, now it'll, I think the focus will, will turn to who's there as opposed to who's not. I couldn't agree more, Bob. And uh, is this your first Olympics before we say goodbye? Yeah, I've never been to an Olympics. So in that regard, I think it'll be pretty cool. 
All right. Bob Herrick from ESPN, thank you so much, my friend. Safe travels, and we'll be looking forward to checking in with you next week. You're listening to The Golf Insider. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. No balls. We're back. The Gulf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and our social media guru, Will Perry, keeping you all connected with us. And we're going to waste no more time. Uh, We're going to go uh, up to the Travelers Tournament in Connecticut and check in with one of my favorite favorite people in the golf business, uh, one of the most uh, awarded golf journalists, uh, formerly wrote for Sports Illustrated as well as the New York Times, co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel. He is always on the road, but we're lucky to have him for a few minutes tonight. Damon Hack. Hello, Damon. Holly G, gentlemen, how are you? Good. How are you, Damon? I'm doing just fine. I'm, I'm actually writing a column on the golf in the Olympics right now. So it's neat to hear Holly talking about my uh, my resume because I'm kind of going back to my roots a little bit this evening. Well, there's no doubt about it. Um, you have uh, always been one of the best scribes in our business. And uh, we were talking just in our last segment, Damon, about the breaking news uh, about Nike getting out of the equipment and ball business and wanted to get your thoughts on that because I know you've covered so much both on the industry side and the tour side. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. The, the, the golf business right now seems to be undergoing a, a, a massive change. We've seen TaylorMade uh, and Adidas have issues in, in kind of which way they're going to go forward. And, and I think we're kind of seeing golf as a whole, um, to me, this may be kind of the opposite effect of the Tiger era. We, we had this stretch of time from the mid-'90s, really through his dominance up to the scandal, to where golf courses were being built, and, and maybe too many were built, and, and the golf business took off. And, and, and then you had the, the, the economy crash and, and, and the greatest player of our era, uh, you know, disappeared for a while and, and went dark, and, and we couldn't find them. And golf found new uh, stars and new, you know, players to root for. But I, I think in a lot of ways, and, and I and I feel this way mostly just by talking to fans. You know, I, I can be at a golf tournament like I am this week at the Travelers, and I will get more questions about you know when is Tiger coming back than than just about any other question. And that's even with Tiger at, at age forty, who hasn't hit a golf shot in anger this season. He hasn't won a tournament since 2013. He hasn't won a major since 2008. You know, I know people that don't know the difference between a birdie and a bogey, but they know that Tiger Woods means red shirt Sunday and, and dominance. And the fact that Tiger's going to stop making golf equipment, Nike's making this move, I, I think it's it's almost this is kind of the the, the, the dusk, I guess. Of, uh, of an era of 15, 20 years economically where golf was at such a high, you know, I think now we're kind of seeing the, 
the opposite effect, and that's about the only thing I can, I can, I can put it to. You know, Damon, I got, I got a big question here. Now, I'm sure, you know, with this kind of effect that is going to happen in the golf industry, I'm sure that Nike has been in, um, you know, they've had many meetings, many board meetings, committees, finding out, you know, where they're making money, where they're not making money. I'm sure somebody is talking to Tiger, and they're saying, Tiger, how soon can you come back so we can start selling clubs again? Because right now, like, their clubs are in the PJ Superstore, Edwin Watts, and they're selling for under $200 brand new, where Titleists are selling for $459, $499. Somebody has to know something about when he's coming back that it's not being um, generated to the media or the general public. I mean, do you have the same feelings towards that, or do you think that's just a, a theory? I think you bring up a great point. It also leads me to this other possibility. Maybe Nike knows something. Right. Maybe Nike didn't know that Tiger Woods' back is just not healing the way he thought it would, that it's not going to ever get to the point that he needs to get to be able to compete with Jason Day and, and Henrik Stenson and Phil and, and, and Danny Willis and all these other guys, Spieth and Fowler and Kepka and on and on. I mean, that's a possibility. If, if Nike, you know, this is the world's largest maker of, of sporting goods, is stopped selling golf equipment and, and its most recognizable golfer has been on the shelf, it, it makes you scratch your head and say, you know what, maybe they see the writing on the wall. You know, and maybe all these comebacks that we've had, these starts and stops, you know, since 2008, maybe it's finally going to stop. I, I really think that's a possibility. And as hard as it is to say, because we all know that Tiger Woods playing golf, walking inside the ropes is good for everybody's business. Um, that makes me think that that's also a possibility well, as well. I have nothing concrete that makes me say I know he's not coming back, but I, I do know that he was working very hard in his game. A, a source told me he was down in the Bahamas a few weeks ago, you know, hitting golf shots, but that, that doesn't mean he's necessarily ready to come back and, and, you know, play 20 times a year or, you know, be able to, to have the kind of career and practice and hit balls and, and do the things you have to do plus have the lifestyle he wants to have with his kids. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So you were mentioning that you're writing a piece on the Olympics. Uh, we're a, a week away. Apparently, Matt Kuchar uh, discovered today that it's not in any way a team event, Damon. Were, <laughs> were you part of that press conference? Uh, I, I guess they had to get Matt up to speed on the fact that this is, uh, you know, a traditional medal play Four-day event. Four medals. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not in the room, but I did hear about that. And I think there have been some some mistakes in the rollout of this and the information that the players have gotten, uh, that the players have received in terms of uh, of the format. And part of it is, and let's be honest, I mean, Matt Kuchar was not a part of those early meetings because he wasn't, you know, one of the four. You know, it wasn't until – Spieth and and and, uh, and Dustin Johnson and those guys decided not to go. Did uh, you know the Patrick Reeds of the world moved up the list and Matt Kuchar being the last one um, to do so? So I know for a fact, you know, having talked to Patrick Reed, that he was not a part of those, you know, springtime discussions with uh, with the American golf, uh, you know, team and, and learning about format and security and all that stuff. But you, you would have thought by now, it's been a few weeks for Matt, that he would at least know that it was a stroke play 72-hole event. Um, 
but I think this almost speaks to the larger issue that, that a lot of the players just have not really kind of, you know, they haven't dived into this as they would, you know, a Masters or a U.S. Open. My column is basically saying I hope that the players embrace it, the ones that are going, because at this point they just don't know what they're getting into. I'm writing as someone who went to the Olympics as a child in 84, who went to the Olympics as a journalist for the New York Times in, in 04 in Athens. Some of the greatest events I've ever been to, better than any Super Bowl, better than any Masters I've covered was being a part of the uh, the media in, in Athens. And I, and I hope that the, the players that go and the golfers that go experience it and go take walks and go to other venues and watch Michael Phelps swim and Usain Bolt run and, and, and Team USA basketball compete. I hope they just get into it because I think they're going to walk away with, with great memories and I think they're going to walk away enjoying it even more than they thought they would. Great, great point, Damon. Couldn't agree more. So, of course, NBC has the complete coverage of the Olympics. I'm sure Golf Channel is going to have a loaded team down there. What kind of coverage uh, can our listeners uh, look forward to? Yeah, well, I can tell you that the opening ceremony is uh, Friday, uh, 7.30 Eastern Time on NBC. Uh, I can tell you morning drive. We'll have uh, plenty of coverage as well. Um, tomorrow we'll have our kind of one day from the opening ceremony show uh, on morning drive and, and we'll continue to have coverage during the weekend and into next week and we'll have wall-to-wall coverage of the 60 men and women who will be competing for gold, silver, and bronze and I think you're going to see a lot of excitement you're already seeing it on social media with you know Henrik Stenson tweeting photos of his you know gold and blue Swedish golf bag and Jaco Van Zale of South Africa is very excited and you know what listen we don't have day, we don't have speech, but we have, you know, we don't have Rory, but we've got people that want to be there, that are excited to be there. Maybe an emerging nation, you know, wins a medal, and maybe, you know, it's it's a South American country or or an Asian country or, or something happens that, that's so positive that, that helps grow a game that, that needs a, need some positive stories. So I think uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that, that the Olympics and golf um, – you know, which we voted on in 2017, whether to extend it past 2020. Golf is set for 2020 in Tokyo. But I hope something big happens that that people can rally around and say, you know what, I, I hope golf can continue uh, going forward in the Olympics but, uh, beyond 2020. Absolutely. Damon Hack, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us, my friend. Uh, just an extreme pleasure. You're such a hardworking guy and uh, dad with triplets. Tired dad of triplets, as he calls himself. I'm a triplet dad who makes triple bogeys. That's me. All right. Damon Hack from the Golf Channel. Thanks so much, my friend. Stay Thanks, safe. Apology. Thanks, guys. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insider. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so mean. I got good eyesight, I'll be all right. I get my dentures shining bright. I got a deaf right ear for those golf carts I can steer well. We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett and Will Perry. 
And uh, Kevin, you were just giving me an interesting uh, tidbit while we were yeah, since we were talking about break. the Olympics. Uh, one of our members at the Golden Bear Club at Keens Point, uh, Julieta Granada, is going to be carrying the flag at the opening ceremonies for Paraguay, her host country. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, since uh, you know there was only sixty men and sixty women, and there's tons and tons of athletes, and she's going to be carrying that flag. I'm very, very honored to be working with her. That's or working a, for her, really. That's 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 very, very cool. Well, we'll waste no more time because we're going to go to uh, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post who was out covering the, not out covering, <laughs> covering the British, the Women's British Open where we watched another incredible victory by Arya Jutanyagarn. And uh, Steve, fill us in on, you know, this, she is just racking up the, the wins. Yeah, she really is. I mean, before I get to that, though, i got to tell you how happy I am for Hooley. She first noted to me that that may happen way back last October. She told me when we were in Korea that there was a good chance that she would be uh, carrying the flag in. And, and she almost she welled up in tears uh, when she was telling me how excited she was that, that, uh, that there was that possibility. So for it to become a, a reality for her, i, I got to tell you, that it couldn't happen to a nicer person and just thrilled for her. That's, uh, I know it's a big deal and and, uh, and you know, for a golfer of any any stripe to carry in their nation's flag at the Olympic Games is huge, and and for for Hooley, it's uh, I mean, it's a really special honor. I, I really can't yeah, she can't was uh, highly enough for her. She was in the golf shop a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking, and I was like, oh, so you have any tournaments coming up? You know, what are you gonna be doing uh, in the next few weeks? And she goes, oh, well, I'm playing in the Olympics. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and uh, she goes, yeah, I'm carrying the flag for Paraguay. I was like, oh my goodness, like you know, that's. Only one person gets selected from each country to do that. And, you know, we have Michael Phelps. So, to me, that, I mean, and he's, you know, a huge deal. He's got 22 medals, and she's carrying the flag. I'm just thrilled to death for her. Oh, I know. Couldn't, couldn't happen better. Now, now on to, um, I'm sorry, Holly, on to your question. I got to tell you, the transformation of Area Titania Garden this year may be the, one of the greatest stories in our sport. This was a young woman who two years ago, would recoil from the spotlight. I mean, she would actually almost physically try to hide behind her sister uh, because she was so painfully shy. And she spoke English well enough, but she just simply wouldn't do it. Um, and for her to make this kind of coming out this year, uh, not just winning three in a row, which is it is in and of itself quite an accomplishment, but to win the win a major championship conduct herself in her post-tournament press conference the way she did, and then go home and have the, the kind of reception that she had and embrace that the way she did, this is a this, we're looking at a totally different player uh, than we saw when, when Aria came out you know, three or four years ago. It reminds me of another international player back in her early days, Annika Sorenstam. It's interesting that you would say that because I, I spoke to um, – to Pia Nelson and Lynn Marriott this week, who have been working uh, with Area for a long time, and and they actually brought that up. They said very similar to what Annika was like. Annika was perhaps even more painfully shy uh, than, than what you have with Area, but but you know, it just takes a it's a process of overcoming that, becoming comfortable with who you are, becoming comfortable in your own skin, and having the confidence that. Yes, you're a great player, but you're also capable of conducting yourself as a person in these settings. And it's just taken, it takes some players longer than others to get there. Uh, and I'm just thrilled that May's finally gotten there. 
Uh, talk to me about how uh, Global Golf Post is going to be covering the Olympics, Steve, because, you know, you guys uh, cover the world of golf. There are certainly going to be lots of different side stories, given the fact that golf is back in the Olympics. And as we've talked about, um, you know, despite, as we know, many of the, the issues that have been at play, this is going to pack many countries. And as we've been talking about all uh, this hour uh, with the announcement of Nike getting out of golf and that, you know, uh, the prospects of Tiger Woods no longer, you know, being at the forefront of tournament golf, how hopefully this could be a bright light in, uh, you know, spurring some new growth in the game, which we all need to see. You know, I, I, I really wish that were the case. And I have been very hopeful. I mean, but I think we're kind of, uh, we're sort of whistling past the graveyard here when we say that. And and, and I, I don't want to be the eternal pessimist here, but the format is, is so uninspiring uh, that that I think, you know, that's one of the reasons that you're looking at this and people are just going, eh, because it's, you know, in essence, you have a field that is, speaking of Tiger, probably weaker than the Hero World Challenge. Hmm. And they're playing a 72-hole individual stroke play event. It is no different than any other week out there, only it's a, a weaker field and it happens to be in South America. Uh, so so it, it's very difficult for me to see how that inspires anyone towards the game. If they'd chosen a team format of some form, I mean, my idea was always take one professional and one amateur from each, from each country. Let them mentor, let that professional mentor the amateur and have a combined score thing. I mean, that would have been great. But to, but to just go throw it out there as, uh, oh, well, we're going to have yet another 72-hole stroke play event is, is just – it's weak sauce in my estimation. And I, and I fear that the only thing that could rescue this would be to have someone from Colombia or Argentina or, or Letitia Beck from Israel to come through and win the gold medal. That would be inspiring. That would be something that people could rally around. Uh, uh, you know, barring that, I just I don't know what it would be. Uh, do you have a big team heading to Rio? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, we do not. We had initially planned on going to Rio, and uh, quite frankly, uh, due to security uh, concerns and some other things, we uh, we chose not to go. Well, uh, the opening ceremonies are Friday. Uh, the golf tournament for men starts uh, a week from next Thursday. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. I know Patrick Reed is certainly pumped up, and we, we know how he gets fired up for competition. So I think the American team is going to be uh, fun, fun to watch. I, I hope so, and I hope I'm dead wrong about this. I hope it's a, it's a huge inspiration to a lot of people. But, you know, I'm trying to be realistic about it. All right, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. Thank you always for spending a few minutes with us. And uh, we've wrapped up another hour. The uh, soccer is in play at the Olympics. Opening ceremonies Friday. We'll be back next week. The Golf Insiders. Bye-bye.